All right, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Coffee House Theology. It is Wednesday, April the 14th. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's that time of year when everything becomes a blur. It just seems like springtime activities pick up, the pace picks up. Um, and uh, so we are grateful that you are with us tonight. Uh, last week, you got the privilege of hearing Brian break down uh, Ephesians chapter four. And uh, so grateful uh, for kind of that, uh, kind of a pause in the middle of our, of our guests this semester um, to, to revisit that theme of we are the church. And tonight, uh, we're back at it with our special guest. We have John and Renee Cook with us tonight from Every Girl Counts. I uh, look forward to introducing them to you. If you are new to us or haven't been around for a while, uh, one of the ways that we... Uh, uh, submit questions for uh, John and Renee tonight is uh, you can go to slido.com on your web browser and you can either scan that QR code that's on the screen or put in room number 48276. Even if you don't have a question, uh, we encourage you to pull it up because you can like uh, questions that other people ask. Um, and that way, uh, the questions that are the most frequently liked will be the ones that we get to first. And uh, so we are super glad that you are with us. So uh, let me say a word word of prayer, and then we will introduce our guests and we will get rolling this evening. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for the chance to come together midweek. And uh, God, we thank you for your church. Uh, and we thank you for this church body and the people that you have given us, God, and the stories that we get to be a part of. And uh, so Lord, tonight, as we talk to John and Renee about Every Girl Counts and about uh, what they're doing throughout the world to make you known, uh, through girls' education and discipleship, uh, God, I pray that a couple of things happen. One is I pray that it just increases awareness uh, of what you're doing uh, through through ministries that are supported by our church. And number two, that it challenges all of us to consider how you can use us to make an impact in the world uh, for the sake of the gospel. So thank you for this time together. Would you bless it tonight? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, with us is John Renee Cook. And, and let me give you a little quick uh, backstory because these are good friends of mine. Uh, John Renee have three daughters. Their three daughters are almost identical in age to our three daughters. Uh, so they have kind of grown up in together from our time at Brentwood Baptist. When I became student minister at Brentwood Baptist, uh, John and Renee were the volunteer leaders for the college ministry. And by that, anybody knows what volunteer leadership in a church position like that means is it means that they worked like they were getting paid, but we didn't pay them. Uh, and so they spent a lot of time investing in our college students who were coming out of our student ministry, um, a ton of time, um, you know, pouring into them, doing discipleship, life on life discipleship. Uh, we, we took some mission journeys uh, down to, uh, to St. John in the Virgin Islands together where our college ministry did the only vacation Bible school on that island every summer. Uh, uh, and so got to baptize kids in the ocean. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing experience. And so it's been fun uh, to, to track with them over the years. But along the way, uh, God has, has brought a, a passion to their heart. Uh, and they were able to develop that into a ministry that's now known as Every Girl Counts. So uh, Renee, tell us, right? Uh, just give us a Cliff Notes version of how Every Girl Counts, how you guys you know, went from, hey, here's what God's doing in our family. Here's what we see happen in our church family. Here's what we feel like God is calling us towards. Yes. Well, um, I would say, first of all, well, I'll introduce myself again, Renee, John. We've been married for tw almost 26 years. Um, as Jay said, we do have three daughters. Our oldest is 21. We have an 18-year-old. And then our youngest, 14, is, is here this evening. Um, so I, as a mom of three daughters, I have a special place in my heart for girls. Um, and God really uh, made an awareness of how girls in different parts of the world struggle. So about 2010, um, John and I just began to have conversations about uh, whether or not our family was complete and kind of what that looked like. Um, we began to, to ponder uh, adoption and what that would look like. And so we just really were not on the same page uh, at that point in our life. And uh, we, had, we had decided prior to that, you know, if, if there's something that we don't, dis that we don't agree on uh, and we pray about it and we're just not in agreement with it, then it, we're not gonna pursue that. So uh, we just were not on the same page at that point. And uh, one thing John is really good at is uh, figuring out a different way to accomplish the goal. 
So we really begin to evaluate what is, what is the goal of adoption, um, since that's how that was manifesting itself. Um, and so we, we just began to, to ponder that, and really the, the deeper goal was to help children in poverty. Uh, and so we began to evaluate what that could possibly look like. And as we began to consider some of those options, we really thought that was gonna look like uh, helping build uh, a medical hospital or an orphanage in Haiti. We looked at some different opportunities. All of those doors closed. So I began to do some research. My personality, uh, I'm an SC. I, I like research, I like facts, I like process and procedures. So I began to look into um, you know, what are different ways that we can help children in poverty? And I, I came across education. And education, especially for girls in different parts of the world, um, that makes a huge impact, not just to the girl, but to her family and to her community. Um, so it really is a stepping stone to other things. So we began to evaluate how we can educate. And from there, it just kind of took off, and we, we made some connections with different people and began uh, working in Kenya. I made my first trip in 2011 uh, to evaluate, just make a site visit, and see what kind of opportunity there was. We actually started Every Girl Counts in 2014 uh, when we received our nonprofit status. We really weren't setting out to start a nonprofit. We just, we just wanted to be obedient to what we felt that God was asking us to do. And the best way for us to do that and to be good stewards of others who were joining us in that mission uh, led us to start the nonprofit that is now known as Every Girl Counts. So that's kind of how we got our start. And we've, we've learned a lot along the way. We have some great stories we're looking forward to sharing. Um, so that's really where uh, the inception of Every Girl Counts came from. That's really cool. Can, can you guys share with us also your testimony? How did you come to know Christ? And, and how, did, how, did, how did that lead you, I guess, kind of the backstory to how you got to the, right, having a family that, that looks, at all, looks at things in this perspective? Sure. Well, um, I became a Christian when I was 12 years old, and Vacation Bible School was uh, very instrumental in that. In fact, my neighbor that lived directly behind us was my Vacation Bible School teacher uh, that, that summer and was very intentional with sharing Bible stories uh, that were important in influencing my decision to become a Christian. Uh, so that was, a, that was a very important part of my faith from, from a very early start. And I would say that also has, has characterized our approach with Every Girl Counts in being intentional with discipleship. Mm -hmm. um, we, I guess in 2018, we became very intentional with the discipleship component of our education program. Uh, we have uh, Saturday discipleship. Our students attend day school. Uh, and on Saturdays, they come specifically for two hours of discipleship. Um, so we implemented in 2018 a storing curriculum. So I, I'm sure you've heard Leanne uh, talk about sharing Bible stories by storing. And uh, Leanne has helped us develop curriculum for intentional discipleship and sharing stories uh, similar to those that I heard when I was uh, in vacation Bible school as a 12-year-old um, that was very important for me um, coming to faith. Jump in there. Sure. So, similar type story. Grew up in a church, that, or grew up in a family that <clears throat> we always went to church. We, um, my mom and dad always set a great example for that. We, I really don't know how, Jay, it came about for us to be you know, from that upbringing, because we we had never been out of the country. We had been on mission trips when I was younger, but that was about it. My parents were not missionaries. My parents were, I mean, we're just average people living an average life. And then this just sort of happened, and my wife wanted to do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're smart enough to listen to your That's wife. That's exactly right. All people said amen. <laughs> But that, that, and that's about it. I mean, I, don't, I really have no idea, Brian, how we're here. I mean, well, I just sort of look around and I'm here and it's 
Well, it's the guidance of the Holy Spirit, right? Because, and that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things we watch him do is that he takes ordinary things and does extraordinary, uh, extraordinary things of the gospel and extraordinary things of the kingdom, right? And, and so it, it's not an, an extraordinary life that it takes to make a big difference with Jesus. I love what, you know, some of the notes you said, right? It takes obedience, right? You have to listen to him and do what he asks you to do. And then the extraordinary things happen because of him. Not because of us, and not even because of our faithfulness, right? But because of what he can do through, in and through our lives and in and through the things that he gives us, right? It's just being obedient and open to the stewardship. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's one of the bigger uh, points when I was um, talking with Jay through email uh, about some points that were important to make tonight. And that was, that was my number one point was God does take ordinary people because in... 2010, when we felt like this was what God was asking us to do, uh, and we were trying to figure out what does that look like, I had my daughters were 10, 8, and 4 at the time. And so it was really beyond my thinking to think that I'm going to go halfway around the world, I'm going to leave my kids and my husband and go, um, you know, seek out what God had planned. Um, being a stay at home mom, and I've been out of the workforce at that point for. Uh, you know, 10 years since the birth of my oldest daughter. And so I really felt like I was not qualified to be the person to do this. And so it really is a, a great story of how God takes something ordinary and does something extraordinary with it. And so the passage that I shared with um, Jay and Brian was based on um, Luke 5, where Jesus calls the first disciples. And what really strikes me is that the first disciples were everyday, average, ordinary fishermen. Um, and then my, one of my favorite books of the Bible is Amos, and Amos was a sheep breeder. I mean, you're talking about just average people. They're not, they're not kings. They're not, you know, from the elite in society. He's, Jesus, uh, God is calling ordinary people um, to do his work. And so that's really the point that I want to make is that don't think that you are too small or too insignificant to make a difference because if God wants it to happen, then he's going to figure out how to use you to make it, to make it happen. In fact, Amen. one of the first uh, African proverbs that I heard um, when I went to Africa was the proverb about uh, if you think you're too insignificant to make a difference, you've never spent a night in a tent with a mosquito. Um, and it's very, it's very true. Um, so don't think that that you're too small to accomplish what God has set out for you. Um, because every girl counts is definitely, uh, a testimony to that. Yeah, that's outstanding. So I love it. And, and so let's talk about this because part of the fun for me is I've had a front row seat to watch, watch this grow and develop. And, you know, there's these moments in all of our lives where I think if we were, you know, in 2010, if you said, Okay, in 2021, this is you know where this ministry is going to be, and this is what it's going to look like, and what you're going to be doing. You guys would have said, first of all, no way, right? And second of all, the journey that it's taken to get there, you would have never mapped out. Um, you all know the story of how we we started the church at Station Hill. How we started many of our campuses. Same kind of stories, and God repeats this pattern over and over again. So yes, let's affirm that He uses ordinary people who just simply make themselves available. But yet He weaves you into these kind of extraordinary stories along the way. And one of the things I've, I've shared with John, you know, last year after some twists and turns with the ministry, as I said, man, step back for a minute and realize that like you guys have a nonprofit that's making a difference on the other side of the world. Like not everybody gets to be a part of a story like that. And so let's go back and trace some of those steps. When you guys began to launch, you know, and, and envision what would this look like? Talk, talk to us about kind of like 1.0 version. You know, we're going we're gonna to build a school. We're going to, you know, find this place in Kenya where there's this great amount of need in, in the Kibera part of, of Nairobi. Kind of walk us through that, those early days of the ministry and what that was like. Sure. Well, and I kind of want to set the stage with giving you a little background on, yeah. on what I uncovered when I began to research 
the impact of education on a girl, um, okay. because that was that was really important to me um, as we began to look at what education can do. And we're using education as a platform to share the gospel. That okay. is our that is our mission with Every Girl Counts. So we are educating girls at the high school level, but we are using that as a way as a pathway to the gospel. So that ultimately mm-hmm. is our is our main focus. Um, but as a, in the early in the early days, um, you know. Tr- 2009-2010, researching education, um, there are almost 97 million girls around the world that are not in high school. So if you think about a girl who is in eighth grade, she's almost done with her education, if she has even gone to school that long. So my daughter who's here tonight is in eighth grade, so she would be ready to finish her education for the rest of her life if it weren't for people like us who come alongside them, and we call them champions with Every Girl Counts um, rather than sponsors, but sponsorship would be a common term that you might be familiar with. So if it weren't for sponsors to come alongside them and help make high school attainable to them, um, it just wouldn't happen. So eighth grade, a lot of girls would be finished with their education. Um, Some of the barriers to education, the number one being poverty. They simply can't afford to go to school. Uh, in Kenya, they do have um, they do have government-funded education, which is kind of a misnomer because the parents are still responsible for some of the expenses. Um, so Every Girl Counts is coming alongside those families, and we are covering the parent portion of their tuition in order for their daughter to go to school. Um, child marriage. A lot of girls. Uh, are married off when they're children or teenagers because the parents can get money for for the daughter getting married. And that's one less mouth to feed in their family. Um, And that's just really where they are in life. Um, Violence. Um, There are a lot of war-torn countries. Um, The area where we're working in Kenya is not Um, susceptible to this. There is political violence, um, but not everyday violence like you see. But there is violence in the home, which uh, prevents girls from attending school because of shame or even because of injury. Um, There are a lack of schools in the world. Uh, There aren't enough teachers to teach the students. And then there is gender uh, gender bias, which is one one thing that we um, that we work hard against, and it's it's still a very real barrier even today. Um, families would rather educate their boys; um, they're going to marry off the daughter, and so they don't see that educating the daughter is as important as it is to to educate the son. So if they if they are a family of many children, they're going to choose to educate the boys if they have extra money to send a child to school. Um, so that kind of sets the stage of what some of the, the barriers that, um, that are uh, problems. Um, and then I would also add, children represent labor to the family. So if you're living on $1 to $3 a day, and you have a child that can work and help earn money, you don't want them to go to school. And so that's one of the things that uh, prevents children from going to school as well. So... Um, we just began to consider all of those things as we um, considered helping kids in poverty. Um, so that kind of set the stage. Um, education is not just an education, it really is changing a community. And uh, in Kenya where we're working, they, they think in terms of we. In, here in the US, we, we tend to think in terms of I. Yeah. You know, we're very independent. Um, we think in terms of I. But in Kenya, they think in terms of we. And so for us to go and educate a girl, it's perceived a lot differently in Kenya than here. So we're not just educating their daughter. We're educating it's their whole family. It's an opportunity for their whole family. And beyond that, it's an opportunity for the community. So they are very receptive to us coming in and helping Um, partner with them to educate their daughters. Um, And then because of having three daughters, we wanted to focus on educating girls because they don't have the same opportunities that we do here. Um, So as we began to 
think about what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. Um, you know, it's very, to me, it's very easy. That's just my perception. It's very easy here to kind of be blind to what is going on in other parts of the world. Um, and so as we began to, to do some more research and I made trips to Kenya, it was, you know, God kind of took those blinders off and made me aware of opportunity. Um, and so we just began to consider how we could do that. So we did, as Jay mentioned, we did first set out and we built a school. We partnered with a local mission in Nairobi that was a, uh, we had a common contact here in the U.S. And uh, just because God calls you to do something doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't mean that it's not going to have its challenges. And so uh, we were in partnership with this other ministry for a couple of years. And we really uncovered some things that were unethical and dishonest and decided that that wasn't who we, who we needed to partner with. So ultimately that ended up with, um, with, can I tell this? Yep, you can go ahead. So this is a cool start. It, it actually, this part of the story sucks, but <clears throat> so what happened? We, I'm going to go back. What it looks like building 101 to build a school. If I'm going to be brutally honest, I'm going to say, give the money, don't start the nonprofit. That's what I'm going to say, because it's hard. It's very difficult, but it's very rewarding. And Jay was right there with us. He walked us through it, and he was like, John, it's going to take four years for you to do If ministries can survive for that three to four years, there's something about it. Jay, do you remember that yeah. conversation? It's, it's, you, you get over that hump. So it was about that time, and, and again, 2014, 2018, we were with this ministry partner, and, we, and Renee's much nicer than I am about it. So <laughs> we found some things that weren't right, and I was ready to punch him in the throat. And Renee was like, no, that's not way you, the way you do it. And we went over, we had this conversation, we confronted him. He said, okay, this is great, and I will talk to you about it when I come to the States in November. So he showed up, he walks in our house, and guys, you can imagine how you would feel. He walks in your house and he looks at Renee and he says, Renee, never let John speak to anyone again. A Kenyan (laughs) again. I'm like, okay. So he had my attention. And then he went on to say how that we were terrible to work with and we couldn't do things the way he wanted and that he was not going to be doing anything with us again. Like, okay, let's suffer through it. We have one, that was after the first year. So we're coming up. I talked to Jay. We really, we, we prayed about it. And we said, okay, this is great. We're going to have a new opportunity. We went in, I don't know when we went, but we, we met with the Baptist Convention of Kenya. And they said, we want to be your partner. So that's great. Our partner there said, we agree with that. That's fantastic. So we, we went for a year with this being the outcome. This is what we were all going to do. So the Kenyan schools go from January through December. So in December, like the second week of December, we get a email from our partner. And he says, I'm not going to transfer the title over. I'm going to keep this for myself. So we had spent all the, unless you pay me a bribe. So we had already paid for all the money. We had already spent a lot of time. And he said, if you want it, you're going to have to pay for it all over again at a higher price. And we're like, okay. So we're not going to do that. Because... The reason why I don't talk to anybody or Kenyans is because I may or may not be a little opinionated. <laughs> so, and, and we just, we just sort of worked through it and we said, that's fine. And we never talked to him for years. And we had two weeks at that point because, and so now here's a good thing. That part of the story is over mm-hmm. and it is awesome well, that it's over because now we had two weeks to get everything done 
So I've, I've, I've brought you from where we started to now it's sort of like the cliffhanger, right? Of where we're gonna go. That's great. And this is the best part of the story. Go ahead, Renee. You're right, this is the best part of the story um, because this, this point in our journey was so pivotal to getting us to where we are now. Um, you know, looking back on it, it was, it was such a dark and challenging time. Uh, you know, I personally wanted to um, throw in the hat and give up at that point. Um, and I'm really glad that I didn't because God had bigger plans. Um, and so we were only a couple weeks from starting a new school year. And we had 58 students at that point um, that we were accountable to. And so I wasn't about to let down 58 students, but in the broader sense, I wasn't about to let down the community. And so we, we did have talks with the Baptist Convention of Kenya, and we did work with the IMB uh, contact in East Africa at that point, Kevin Rogers, who was very instrumental in getting us connected with the Baptist Convention. And so, um, I think the bigger part of the story is God took what we thought was supposed to happen and he did what he wanted to happen. And so if you think back on the story in Luke 5 with the calling of the disciples, uh, at the end of that story, it talks about how the disciples, they, they left their boat and they followed him. And so when I read that story, I think about what the boat represents to the disciples. So that could have represented their identity. That's who they were, they were fishermen. It represented their livelihood, their income. So a lot of who they were was wrapped up in that boat and they left it behind. And so I had to leave, for me, in the story of this, I had to, I had to leave behind what I thought was supposed to happen, how I imagined things were gonna work out and really trust God that he had a bigger and better plan that I just had to be, I had to trust him um, and had to leave everything else behind and just trust that things were gonna work out the way that they were supposed to. Um, so it was very pivotal um, the way things worked out. And so with two weeks to go and starting the school year, we were able to uh, make contacts and get our girls enrolled in public schools. And so what we found is it's much easier uh, to and more effective to work within existing systems, uh, which is the public uh, school system there. So we were operating a private school and we had 30 students. Um, so when we had our falling out with our ministry partner at the time, we had 58 students. And so we were able to enroll every single one of them in public schools. We were able to network with um, the school administrations. And really that opened doors uh, in ways that I never imagined possible because it gave us a platform of reaching even more students with the gospel than we could have ever had access to because we were able to go into the public schools and we had assemblies of over, you know, four and 500 students, you know, that's the whole school, um, and sharing the gospel. They were very open to us going in and sharing the gospel. Um, so we could have never done that uh, if we had not enrolled our students in the public school system. So I would have never, I would have never dreamed that up, um, you know, I, but I had, to, I had to give up what I thought was supposed to happen. Um, and it, as another result of that, uh, we were able to implement a, a very intentional discipleship program. Mm -hmm. um, the way that that was happening uh, previously um, was nothing like um, we've come to see now. So we've gone from uh, implementing a new discipleship plan. This year, we just rolled out new believer curriculum using the same story method. So we have, I believe, over 19 students that are, uh, or that were, because they're currently, um, they're currently on a break right now, but 19 students that are in new believer discipleship, which we did not have that. Um, so a lot of good things have come out of that, but you had to go through the hard to get to where we are, which took a lot of trust and a lot of faith. 
Yeah, no, it's so, so good. I love that, you know, one of the, one of the things Brian and I always kind of tee up is what are some of the key, key things that you guys have taken away that we need to know? And I love that, number one, you shared God uses ordinary people. But number two, right, that, that it's not easy, but what God has for us through the struggle and the challenge is often greater than what we would imagine for ourselves, you know, what we would envision. Yeah. And so I do love the, the redemption part of that story. Brian? Well, that's part of, that's actually part of when I was reading through the, the, your notes and some of the scripture on this. One of the things that really hit me in that story was, you know, they, he put, they, they asked Peter, right, to, Jesus said, put the nets out, right? And Pete said, all my experience, what we've just been through says, don't do that. But at your word, I'll do that. And until we say yes to Jesus, we don't understand what abundance is, right? Because those are professional fishermen. Those were commercial nets. Those are commercial fishing boats, commercial nets that were breaking, commercial fishing boats that were sinking at the abundance that only came from Christ. And when you think about that, right, there's, there's just nothing else like that. And that's what happens when you are faithful, right? And they were just obedient. Y'all were just obedient, right? And, now, and, and then not only that, you know, the net started breaking, right? The boat started sinking. Yeah. And then this abundance comes up. Yeah. How many girls are in the program currently? So this year wow. we have 114 girls that are part of our program. <laughs> Um, we graduated our first year uh, in 2019. We graduated um, 20 students. So we have 27 students that are finishing their final exams and will graduate. So we're, we're, our intention is to expand that by a few more to 120 for this next school year. Um, but I, I do want to point something out to, to Brian's point. Um, so Initially, we looked at, we were, our initial conversation, John and I, it was about adopting one child um, with the deeper, um, the deeper need of wanting to help a child in poverty. Um, and so to date, from the time that we've been tracking from about 2018, when we started tracking um, new professions of faith, we have 45 Students that have become new believers Praise because God. we were yeah. so intentional about sharing the gospel. And when you think about, I, I, today as I was reading over some things, thinking about how we're adopted into the family. Yeah. And so we were considering adopting one into an earthly family, but we have 45 that yeah. are part of an eternal family. And so Praise I could have God. never, that's not how I envisioned this whole thing playing <laughs> so out. Good, yeah. So it, it really is bigger than, <laughs> than you ever think That's it right. could be. And not only that, the ripple effect, as you mentioned earlier, on those families, mm -hmm. you know, again, those girls who are going to now raise Christian families in mm -hmm. the future. So, I mean, you can put an exponential multiplier, you yeah. know, on that number 45. And, and seeds in the institutions. That's right. right. Now that you're in public schools, you've now got public institutions that you know, and outside of the West tend to be more receptive mm -hmm. to things like the gospel within those institutions. And so, you know, seed has kind of scattered everywhere. It's almost like a dandelion, right? You kind of blow one of those and they, they head everywhere. And that's what's happening. It's not just the girls, mm -hmm. it's the teachers, it's the administrators you get to minister to now, right? Yeah. Because as you work with them, you gain their confidence, you form relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, and shockingly enough, those ripples just... Right, yeah. as, as God will do. Well, and, and with the discipleship program, um, we have, you know, specific stories that we've scheduled for different weeks of the month and are very intentional about, um, you know, what's happening next. And last year, when um, COVID became a thing, we had to kind of adapt our methodology. And so we weren't, we weren't ready to just say, okay, we're, we can't have discipleship. So we decided... Okay, how can we how can we work within the system that we have? And so initially, when we weren't allowed to meet, when they shut down the economy, they had curfews in place and were very restrictive in what could happen with groups. Um, our our team members in Kenya, we have two team members. We have a project manager named Emmanuel, and we have uh, an administrative assistant named Mercy. So they came to me and said, we have a way that we can continue sharing the stories. And so they began to send the stories out on WhatsApp platform. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with, oh, yeah. with WhatsApp, but it's a texting platform and a, a lot of 
Kenyans that we work with, it's very popular um, with that community of people. And so we, um, we took their advice and said, let's, let's go with that and see how that works. And so they began to send out, you know, push out the stories each week on WhatsApp. And so sometimes the stories were going to people that it was not intended to go to. And by that, I mean, not everyone has a cell phone. So they were providing phone numbers for, say, a neighbor that might live, you know, two houses down that could get the story on their cell phone who would then share it with and say, hey, I got your I got your Bible story. So there was an unintended consequence Mm -hmm. of the gospel being shared with with other people um, because of the the way that we were sending it out. And then we began to to um, finally meet in small groups again. Um, but I thought that was just, a, you yeah, know, that was a so neat good. way to accommodate the restrictions and had kind of an unintended consequence of others uh, being able to I, I'm hear I'm always those. amazed at the resourcefulness, right? Yeah. So ultimately of the spirit, like he's going to find a way around whatever barrier <laughs> is there. But yeah. then also these national partners, right? They mm-hmm. know in their context what works yeah. best. Right. And one, one place I want to brag on John and Renee about, and they would never say this about themselves, but they have adapted as this entire process has gone along. And, and um, our, our, IMB, our IMB friend in, in East Africa pulled me aside because I was a part of a mission journey over there. And when, when he, he was really honest with John and Renee that mm-hmm. the previous model that they were trying to implement, which by the way, is the model you see, you know, kind of implemented all the time. Somebody in the West comes up with what they think is a, is a great idea and they are determined to make it work in another setting and another context. And it just doesn't. As a matter of fact, even if it does, sometimes, as you know, there's a book called When Helping Hurts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes un, uh, you know, there's unintended consequences. We simply transfer dependence, right, from some government agency in Africa to some nonprofit in the West, and we're not really helping people. And so, you know, our, our IMB contact was so helpful and timely in pointing, pointing that out to John and Renee, but they were humble enough to say, okay then, right. Lord, if it's not my way, you know, again, Peter, a fisherman telling Jesus, okay, this isn't the way I would do it. <laughs> right? I've fished all night and I've caught nothing, you know, but our stubborn selves and the way we're wired as individual Americans, sometimes we might say, but by golly, you know, we're going to do it my way anyway. And we get ourselves into a predicament. And instead, John and Renee listened to the Holy Spirit, listened to the wise counsel around them, and they adapted. And I mean, just, just think about that, right? From, from 58 students to 114 plus, from, from you know, a private school where these kids were off kind of you know, by themselves to now a public school where these other kids and assemblies were gonna hear the gospel. And again, get, get the way this works. They go to public schools during the week, so they're interacting with all of the lost kids during the week. And then on Saturday, they're required as part of the program to come to discipleship. And what I love is, Renee, you told me that parents, there's a parent part as well, because a lot of the parents were so intrigued by what the students were learning on Saturdays. They said, well, we want to learn these Bible stories too. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, and, and the number 45 that I gave of new believers, um, that did include some of the parents, um, which is amazing. So we, we have a, we have a parent leadership committee. They kind of organized themselves. They wanted to take a responsibility in being involved in their child's academic life and, um, you know, making sure that they knew what their student was learning and doing. And we, Emmanuel, saw an opportunity to begin using some of these same Bible stories with the parents. Um, in fact, I was just asking Leanne today, I couldn't remember the story, um, but we had an opportunity to kind of challenge a cultural norm with the parents um, in sharing the story of David and Mephibosheth. Um, and talking about eating at the table together um, because there, uh, there are a lot of step-parent relationships in the families and stepchildren are not accepted as part of the family. And they think if, if you're a stepchild and you ate at school that day, then I don't have to worry about feeding you when you come home. Um, so there's a lot of division in families that way. So um, we were able to share that specific story in the parent setting um, and use that as a way to share the gospel with the parents. So they've just taken an interest in wanting to learn 
um, how the students were learning the Bible stories. And so we, uh, we just capitalized on that and, and uh, made the most of that opportunity. They wanted to learn um, and they wanted to hear the gospel. And so we've been doing that on a regular basis. We do that usually on once a quarter. We have been kind of limited with COVID, um, but we also use that as an opportunity. Leanne, um, Leanne Swords, uh, missions minister here at Station Hill, she joined our board of directors last year, <clears throat> excuse me, um, joined the board of directors last year and has taken on the role of spiritual development within our board. And so uh, there was an opportunity to share Bible stories that were specific for uh, COVID that dealt with, um, you know, different things that people were experiencing at that time with isolation and depression. And so we actually rolled that out last year, I believe in November, um, before the Christmas holidays. And so there's been a lot of opportunity to use the same sort of uh, discipleship with the parents mm-hmm. as well. I love it. I love yeah. it. And you have some pictures. So mm-hmm. we want to put those on the screen. Do you want to speak to any of those? Them. Yeah. Did we get those? I think we I got those. We Andrew will pull those up for us. Um, just to give you some context, because sometimes kind of a picture is worth a, yeah. a thousand words. Tell yep. us what this group is. So there's Emmanuel and Mercy, our two team members. Which, by the way, what great <laughs> names for a couple of staff members, right? <laughs> yes. Which I have a great story on Emmanuel here in a little bit, because um, I'll have a photo. So this is our first group of 20 graduates. Um, our first class did include, I believe, five boys um, because at the time we were having trouble qualifying enough girls. So part of our process is that we do have an academic component to our sponsorship, our scholarship that we offer. Um, so, And we're in the midst of a new enrollment program. So students that are in eighth grade are applying for a position as a, what we would call a ninth grader. They call it a form one. Um, And so part of that is they have to score a certain score or higher uh, in order to qualify academically. Uh, We also want to make sure that we're documenting their, um, their need of a scholarship, how many uh, kids they have in their family, how many of those are going to school. Um, so the, our two, tem, two team members are making home visits and they're giving us a very holistic picture of the student. So that's our first class of 20. I love to see those smiles. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was a happy day for sure. That's so good. Uh, so this, this student's name is Maureen. Uh, Maureen just, uh, she spent a year out of school because she, she had a baby. Um, she has a little boy named Jeremy and, um, Maureen has, has a desire to go back to school. So she worked really hard and kept up with all of her school notes. And, uh, she actually sat out of school for a year and, uh, has, has joined our program. So we're anxious to see where Maureen goes. This is another one of our students. I think her name is Fascia. I think that's Fascia. So we're going to see several of our students. I love seeing their smiles. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a champion of a girl, with your, if you're sponsoring a student, so you're going to get a picture of your student. So this is Maureen and her, her baby, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. But you're going to get a picture, uh, like you just saw the student in uh, their school uniform. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to get their student profile that's going to tell a little bit about who they are, uh, what they enjoy studying, what they, what they aspire to do later in life. Um, there are a lot of similarities with um, teen girls in Kenya and teen girls in the U.S. Um, you know, they have, they have dreams and aspirations. They, they like music. They like dancing. You know, they have boyfriends. And so yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels yeah. with, uh, teenagers, yeah. um, all over the world. One of the things I was most impressed with as I talked with some of these young ladies, uh, you know, as you talk to them, they have again, dreams and aspirations and, and pr- pretty large ones, right? I want to be a doctor, yeah. right? I want to be a nurse. I want to be a lawyer. But what was remarkable to me was all of them said, not in order to make money or to buy a bigger house or to even get out of the slum. All of them said, I want to earn this degree so I can come back and help my people. Amen. That blew me away, the depth and the perspective. So I think in, in some ways different than some mm-hmm. American right, teenagers yeah. who are pretty focused on, on their material success. Yeah, and I, and and I think that really speaks to, uh, Jay, I think that speaks to their 
their thought process because they do think of we, they think yeah. of their community. And so they do want to go back and, um, you know, they have their specific life experience and they want to go back and help people who are just like them um, and help accomplish that. So that's Terry Ann. So, yeah, so these are some of the pictures that you would get if you sponsored a student. So this is actually a student holding up a letter. Um, you can write to your student. They love receiving letters. Um, most of them will write back. They love corresponding. So how that works is that um, you will send your letter to me in email, and I will send that to Emmanuel in Kenya, and he will print that off, and they will be the happiest student that day to receive their mail. And um, and they'll they'll usually write back. Yeah. So they love sharing about their life and how they're doing in school. And so Renee, just very a thankful. couple questions that are coming in that go right with what you're sharing. How much does it cost to sponsor a student? So annual sponsorship is five hundred and fifty dollars to send a girl to school for a year. So that's going to cover the cost of her uniform. She gets a new pair of shoes. Uh, it covers any textbooks that aren't covered by the school. Um, sometimes the government will cover the cost of that. Um, it just depends on the year, quite honestly. Um, it will also cover any um, stationary supplies like notebooks or pens and pencils, uh, calculators for testing. Um, we cover the cost of that as well. It covers a meal for the girl to eat at school. Uh, a lot of times that is the only yeah. meal that they're gonna eat that day. Yep. So they are very dependent upon being in school. So last year when when we had schools close here in the US, we had schools close in Kenya. So this is the picture of the school where we operated the private school. Um, that's the that's the property we, at Bright Hope. So there's Jay with an who, eyeglass clinic. Who is clinic. that optometrist? <laughs> so. Yep. So that's one of the ways we reach the community. We have eyeglass clinics um, as community outreach. Um, but a hot meal at school. So if you think about a, a family living on one to three dollars a day, um, that's not going to go very far. When their rent might be, <clears throat> excuse me, thirty to fifty dollars, depending on where they live. Um, they don't have money to feed their families. They're choosing between food and shelter. Yeah. That's just kind of where they're at. Um, so they don't have extra for, for food. So they're very dependent. It keeps girls safe and fed to have them in school. Um, and then that also, their sponsorship also covers um, having uh, local leadership there with our two team members. Great. So. As we're going through some of these pictures, mm -hmm. another question that's come in. Do you have one of these testimonies that really stands out to you uh, from one of these girls yes. over the years? Absolutely. There's our two team members there. So Emmanuel, I love his name. Um, we, we just passed a, a picture of one of our students that just graduated. Uh, her name is Lynn's. And Lynn's became pregnant when she was a junior in high school. And um, according to what is traditional in Kenyan culture, um, she would be very shamed by her peers, perhaps by her family. Um, she would not want to continue going to school. Uh, a lot of times schools don't want the girl to be there because they're afraid that that's going to send a message to other girls that it's okay um, to get pregnant and have a baby. Um, and so a lot of times there's pressure on a girl to have an abortion in order to stay in school. Mm -hmm. So we decided very early on uh, when we had um, a conflict with our, our former mission partner, we decided that if we're gonna be pro-life, we're gonna be pro-life across the board. Yeah. And so that's gonna look like supporting girls when they do become pregnant and encouraging them to stay in school as long as they can and to welcome them back when they're ready to return to school. So we had a student, Lynn, who became pregnant. Um, she did end up dropping out of school kind of middle of the year. We worked with, um, Emmanuel was very instrumental in working with the school administration to make sure that she could return to school when she was ready. Um, we communicated everything with our board. Our board is very important to uh, decisions that we're making. We have a board comprised of uh, eight people and um, we talked together as a board and decided we, we 
that was that was the message we wanted to send. That we're we're pro life across the board. We're going to support uh, Lynn's and her decision to keep the baby and to raise this child. And so uh, her mom said that she wanted to help provide childcare so that Lynn's could go to school. So Lynn's actually had to repeat her junior year of high school. Um, but the the cool story is that Lynn's named her baby Emmanuel because Emmanuel was so supportive um, as our representative with, uh, with Every Girl Counts. She was so appreciative of everything uh, that was being done for her to be able to ensure that she was able to return to school and that uh, she was loved and accepted and that she, she wasn't her decision. Um, so she wasn't she wasn't the label of pregnant teen. Um, you know she was she was loved and um, you know just the restor the story of restoration that came out of that. Um, Lynn's actually shared her testimony um, at the end of last year or at 2019. She actually came back and shared her testimony uh, with the with the girls, and that was the first time she had ever done that. Um, so just the bigger picture of what God is doing. Amen. Uh, in the lives of the students. That's, yeah. I think that's the, that, that's the biggest one. I love it. Yeah. That name, Emmanuel, like you said, it's so, <laughs> so apt. God with us. Well, a couple things as we, we get ready to wrap up. One is, uh, John, you've been jotting down some notes. Have we, have anything, anything there that, uh, you, no, you, I mean, the, the big thing that, that I would say is that, that Renee has done a good job of, of sticking to the core. And so when we first started with our, the original ministry partner, we, we were going to do a, an, an entrepreneurship program and, and we, we were going to do a sewing program. We were going to do all these other things, but it wasn't what the core was. Hmm. And then when, when we left that and we, we sort of said, okay, our plan's not working, God, it's, I guess we're going to try yours now. <laughs> and when we did that and we started at the core, the core has been good. And so it's, it's stick to what you're good at. And it's good. so we're, we're an education program. Yeah. And we educate you um, spiritually, and we're going to educate you with a, with a degree. And then one of the things that, that we did deviate a little bit uh, during the pandemic was we were able to, um, because they weren't in school and we wanted them to come to discipleship and because they weren't getting fed, is we instead, we took and we were feeding 114 families. So you do the math on how many people are actually being fed. Yeah. And, and, but you know, it's, and you know, had discipleship because we wouldn't feed them if they didn't come to discipleship. So that was one of the things. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, um, gospel conversations is a big word around the Brentwood campuses. And with these girls, I mean, you just, I mean, it's not in the, it's not in the hundreds of gospel conversations. It's in the thousands yeah, of gospel good. conversations that are being, ha that are happening because we're focusing on education and focusing on yeah. discipleship. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that if you look at the pictures of the kids, if you'll notice the form ones versus the form twos and threes and fours, the form ones, uh, they're more like Renee, the form twos and three have the chubby face more like me. And the reason they have that chubbier face is because they're now actually able to get nutrition mm -hmm. through the, the feeding that comes with yeah. the, the sponsorship. Yeah, but does their hair start to look like yours too? It, it really does. <laughs> 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 they're easy to spot in Kenya. It is. That's right. That's right. It well, is. Thanks, Jay, because now I'm just wanting to know that, you know, my mother is here on the front row and she's, she's going to be telling me about, I told you, you needed a haircut. <laughs> so thanks, Jay. I really, really appreciate I, my, that. My, I'm aspiring to, to, you know, for my hair to get that long to be like It's yours, my brand. John. It's my brand. <laughs> uh, another thing I want you to see is what a great team that John and Renee make for, for ministry. Uh, you can even see tonight just their, their strengths and weaknesses and, and the value of finding ministry that you can do um, as a team and as your gifts complement each other is beautiful. So, Brian, a couple questions we're asking everybody, and then we want to talk about next steps and how we can pray for you guys. And the two things we kind of ask about each ministry, the, fir the first one is how does this help us love each other better as the church, right? As the body of Christ, how does this ministry help us love each other better? Renee, you've been talking this whole time. <laughs> they throw you the softballs. I mean, it's pretty easy, Brian. It, it helps us. It, this ministry reminds us to think of we. 
Amen. Amen. That, that we are a body, right? And that there's a necessity in, in, in collection. We've, we've stated the same thing to our boys that, you know, they go off because our boys have gone off to school. It's like, you know, you're, the Lord's calling you off to school. He may be calling you back home to gather those skills and come back and help Tennessee. And it's the same thing that you, and you see that so much internationally, but very, very rare here. Very, very rare. And then the other question we ask is, how does this help us as, as the church witness to the world? And I think that's a lot more obvious. <laughs> Right. Discipleship. Yeah. Thousands of gospel conversations. I don't know really what else to say. Reiterate it one more time. These are really softballs This is kind of laying the ball up next to the goal. This really is. But again, it it gets to these gospel conversations, these kids have on a regular basis because they're sort of required to because that's part of discipleship. But the other gospel conversations are when the neighbor right. gets the text yeah, and says, hey, here, what's this going on? Or whenever we do, you know, for us, we, we, as we're talking to different people, we're able to say, hey, well, there's, this is what we're doing. Well, why do you do that? Well, this well, is why we're doing this. Well, that's, but they'll see that in the girls. Right, that, that's, what, that's what's so powerful about how the gospel spreads, right? Is it's not dependent on us directly, but as it, as it takes root, right, it continues. So it's, it's those echoes, everybody those girls touch, everybody those parents touch, right? All of a sudden, the, the ministry's got grandchildren and great, you know, however you want to, you know, generations or, or, or all those layers come through because of how the Holy Spirit works. And that's just to, to me, just infinitely cool that, you know, you just do these really small things and these massive things grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just share this one point too, is, as, um, well, impacting the kingdom. So we're, we're, um, we're growing the church, big C locally by sending people like you who want to go on mission journeys and see what ministries like Every Girl Counts are accomplishing. And, uh, you know, that's increasing your faith and you're, you're seeing exactly what God is doing in different places. But then we're also growing the church in other areas because we're, we're, uh, we're seeing new believers in Christ uh, who get involved in their local church, yeah. who make an impact in their community. Mm-hmm. And they also send um, send their people. Emmanuel, our, our program director there, um, he went on a mission trip back to his hometown on the coast, and they had awesome. 14 new believers. Um, yeah, he's awesome. using... Uh, the Bible stories that we're sharing in weekly discipleship, he's using those same stories in his children's um, Sunday school class on Sundays that he's teaching at his local church. And so, so we are, good. we're growing the church locally here by sending, we're growing the local church there by discipling. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, they work in tandem. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the way that God, it's all interconnected, right? By the spirit and in his kingdom. So some, some ways that you can be involved. Um, they've already mentioned sponsorship is one way. Um, also, there's a, they do an annual event in the springtime, uh, a little crawfish boil. Uh, and so if you like crawfish, uh, John can cook those things up. And uh, that's information about that's on their website. Our manfrance here at Station Hill, we have a, a time in the spring when our men get together. Uh, we're doing a low country boil. So uh, we'll follow the same protocol for that as well. And that's, uh, uh, we will uh, do that just uh, as you're led to, to uh, give money to Every Girl Counts. Uh, that's going to be on May the 14th for you guys at 6 o'clock, just a time of fellowship. And so uh, we'll just uh, we'll kind of take up a, a, a donation uh, for them as well during that time. Uh, but one of the things that you need to know that I think is really important is, is that if you give to our church, you are already help supporting Every Girl Counts. Uh, they are one of our Hope for the World mission partners. Uh, and so the way that our church offering runs and works is, is that uh, our uh, leadership is set aside a portion of our budget that goes to our Hope for the World mission partners. Uh, and so your faithful giving to our church family, you may not realize it, you're already supporting this ministry. Uh, and obviously, if the Lord feels it leads you to do above and beyond that uh, for Every Girl Counts, that would be great as well. But uh, I wanna, we want to pray. And a couple, one more question came in, and several people liked it, so I want to mention it.
mention it, and, and I think this is probably part of our prayer requests for, for Every Girl Counts. What have some of the graduates gone on to do with their education? And we just, you just graduated, right, the first class mm-hmm. in this past year, mm-hmm. uh, have come all the way through. So part of what we need to pray for is how the Lord is going to lead them to use that education. Yep, and that is, and that is one of our prayer requests as an organization, um, because we do want to stay true to um, to our core mission in um, using high school education as a pathway to the gospel. So we don't focus on sending students to college, but one of our prayers as an organization is that we find an organization that does that. Um, in order to help those students who qualify to go to college to actually achieve that. So out of the 20 that we graduated, we had seven that were, um, they were basically tops in their school and um, qualified to go to, to go to university. So what that looks like for them is that they, um, they kind of do, I think an aptitude test to determine their strengths and what they're interested in. And then the university selects them based on their test scores for where they can get accepted. Um, So we had uh, seven that were qualified. Um, My last update with Emmanuel, I believe we had five that were actually pursuing university. I'm not sure what that looked like with uh, COVID. Uh, taking everything online. I know universities there were online as well. Um, So that's one of our prayers is that we're able to help those students achieve that um, next level because high school is a stepping stone. We know that's not the be all end all, um, but it is a stepping stone to achieve more because they couldn't do that if they didn't have their high school diploma. Um, So yeah, that's definitely on our the other thing is, Jay, to answer your question as well, we have one guy that started his own business. He's a little entrepreneur. And then we have another one of our students who has come back and is volunteering That's great. with the other students. Very cool. Very cool. Renee, any other specific prayer requests for you guys right now before we pray for you Yeah, tonight? I mean, on, on the note of prayer, um, you know, definitely pray as we as we lead and steward Every Girl Counts. We are a board of eight people, as I said. Um, we, we are involved because we are passionate and we, we love what we're doing. Um, the only people that receive a salary um, for, from Every Girl Counts are our two team members in Kenya. Um, everyone else just volunteers their time. Um, you know, so definitely pray uh, for us as a board as we, as we seek to make wise decisions uh, for the direction of the organization. Um, pray for our girls in Kenya. Um, a lot of them experience abuse. Um, as I said, they are safer in school. Um, so pray that schools uh, are able to reopen after they have uh, their short holiday for the next few weeks. Um, pray that all of them return to school. Um, and then we're, one of the things that we, that's kind of on our dream list, if you, if you want to start a prayer team, um, you know, I get prayer requests every week for six students and for different challenges that they're having. If you want to start a prayer team, that would be a very important uh, way to be involved. Um, share our story. So we're always seeking out opportunities to talk about what we're doing and to share what God is doing. And so if, uh, if you would like us to speak at your business group or your book club or your life group, we welcome the opportunity to do that. Um, and beyond championing a girl, sponsoring a girl, um, if you choose to go on a mission journey, I'm talking to Leanne right now. Yeah. Um, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Kenya is still closed from what I understand. So they, they are Lord experiencing willing. a surge in um, COVID cases right now. So they're back on restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my understanding that international travel is still open, but you would be subject to um, whatever, you know, they have in place with yeah. curfew and travel restrictions. You can't travel in the city. So you could still get there, but you couldn't necessarily <laughs> you couldn't do go anything. anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so we're, uh, we're, we're very hopeful. I, I tell Leanne, I'm optimistic about being able to go uh, yeah. maybe later this year. Because there'll be another graduation, right? At the end yes, of this so year. We, we want to celebrate our 27 students that are going to complete their high school career and uh, celebrate them properly with a, with a formal graduation ceremony um, that we host in one of the local churches there. And so I, I would love to go back and do that. 
uh, towards the end of the year. So I'm very optimistic that we'll be able to, to go. And going and seeing uh, and having, you know, God open your eyes to um, the ways of the world outside of the U.S., um, you know, it can be life-changing. Yeah. So yeah. Having a front row seat. So yeah. well, so grateful for John and Renee. Uh, again, I'm just always blown away by our church, you guys, um, what you're doing for the kingdom, how you're supporting one another. And uh, this is a story we, we wanted you to know about as well. So as we go tonight, uh, Brian, will you lead us in a prayer for uh, John and Renee and Every Girl Counts? Thank Absolutely. you. Father God, we're thankful. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your son that saves us. Uh, we're thankful for John and Renee and their faithfulness to their calling that they understand what you have called them to do, Father, and they're obedient. Uh, and, and not necessarily in spectacular ways, but in the everyday ordinary ways so that the spirit will lead to extraordinary results. And so, Father, we, we pray for them. We pray for wisdom for their board. We pray that, that you give them insight and understanding to, to where, the, where the organization needs to be to have the maximum kingdom impact and bring the most people to faith and to strengthen the faith of those that are there. Right? There's a sustaining part of, of keeping the faith there, keeping the faith alive that's there. Um, we, we pray for the girls. We pray for your, your hedge of protection around them, Father, because we know that you go before them and you are their rear guard. And so keep your hand on them, especially in these times where they can't gather and where they can't meet. And Father, we pray for you to open the schools. We, we do this certainly in your will, but you know the desires of our heart are for the schools to be open so they can gather and the gospel can spread. And so in those connections, in those relationships, Father, that you are shine, that you shine brightly and are understood. We pray for the, the country to open, Father, so that more resources can come in and, and so that John and Renee can go and celebrate these milestones with these girls. That's, that's so important, Father, to to set things in their in their memory, right? to stack stones. And, and so, Father, open the country and, and, and let them go and let these girls serve the kingdom well. Uh, and let, the, let, the, let your, your gospel spread through, through the girls, through their parents, through the schools, through the administrators, so that it, just abundant kingdom fruit uh, comes forth. And so, Father, we bless. We 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 ask that you bless this ministry. And this is uh, we ask this in in the precious name of Christ Jesus. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Thank Have you. a great evening.